Well, we want to welcome you today to the Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Lori. I'm Rhonda. And we're so happy to spend some time with you today. Um, For this season, we're entering into a brand new season of the podcast, which is really, really exciting. Um, 2022? (laughs) We're already 2022. 2022. (laughs) The other day, I was literally in front of our team saying, it's 2019, guys. I don't know what came over my brain. I thought it really was Well, these past two years probably feel like one big blur. It's true. But 2022 is upon us and a new season of the podcast is upon us. And we have sort of an intentional focus that we want to put to the podcast um, in season four. This is season four, Rhonda. Wow. Season four. We've been going for, this is our fourth year doing the podcast. That's incredible. Incredible. But we want to put an intentional mentoring focus on the podcast this year. And so if you have been following along with us, we welcome you to join us on this journey. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Um, and we just want to put some intentionality into the conversations that we're having, but also give you some things to really think about, to be able to work through the barriers in your life to your leadership, to where you want to go, to where you see yourself. Um, and let's believe for growth this year together. We want to grow. We want to grow together and we want to help you grow. And so if you'll come along this journey with us, we're going to give you intentional questions to ponder. We're going to give you intentional scriptures to ponder, and we're going to challenge you. We're going to challenge you to take growth steps. Um, and yeah, that's our heart this year for the, for the podcast. I love that. It really is about growth because it's one thing to absorb or to hear and to consume information. It's another thing to now begin to activate it. So I think this is part of what we want to just shift is that activation piece to say, I want you to hear. Absolutely. We're in this together. But the big thing is that we're not just hearers, but we do something with it. We do. And we make those small changes at one baby step at a time. And that's how growth happens. It's not always the big leaps. It's usually those little incremental intentional growth steps that lead to some of the most meaningful growth experiences in our lives. So that's what this year is kind of about. Oh, I, I just love that. And I think too, you know, for us, for the last few years, as we've been doing the podcast together, you know, we have this little phrase that says, oh, that was an awakening moment, but literally on almost every conversation, uh, uh, it's like we are awakened to something different and something new, just a shift in perspective that helps us to be able to keep moving forward in what we sense that God is asking us to do. And so we want to continue to bring you on that journey. And I, I do want to say it's not because we believe we're experts yeah. in any way, really. We're just on the journey and we want to bring others with us. We are on this journey of faith. We're walking out this good fight of faith and it's hard, but we want to do it together. And so it's not because we think we're experts, but we are not novices either in leadership. Together, we bring about almost 50 years of experience of leadership experience in a variety of different spheres um, and different types of people in different groups uh, from volunteer from volunteering to you know being paid to business to all kinds of different age environments so there is some experience behind what we've learned along the way but our hearts and our heart posture really come from a place of humility and vulnerability because we are still growing and still want to grow and still hungry to grow so let's go let's do it let's do this it's really really exciting well we want to start 
this session today and we're kind of caught calling this first section of our uh, mentoring journey, uh, mentoring module one, that we're going to anchor ourselves in Matthew 22 verses 32, uh, verses 34 to 40. And this came, this scripture was, um, comes from Matthew and it says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. And so in this moment, we see a culmination from the Old Testament law that started with 10 commandments extended to 600 and I should know the number, but 30, I think, uh, laws that followed after those 10 commandments that the people of the day had to follow. This was a part of their, their way of getting close to God. And so Jesus is being tested in this moment. And he, in this moment, is literally saying, not that all of those don't matter anymore, but all of those are fulfilled in this one greater and better and first commandment. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we want to sort of anchor into this scripture because we believe that this will set us up to live the life that God intended for us. If we can get a revelation of this, if we can live this, if we can walk this out. And so what we want to do over the next couple of weeks is we want to break down this scripture and sort of dive into what does this mean and how do we apply it to our lives? I love how you just said, Rhonda, it's not just enough that we listen. It's not just enough that we read the word. We actually have to do something with it. And I feel like this is part of what God is saying in this in this time, in this season, a challenge that he's saying, read it and do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now go do it. Yes, yeah, spend time reading the word. Now go and do it. And that's the heart of really entering into this intentionality and this mentoring um, for this season of the podcast. It really is. You know, it just came to mind when I thought of just the power of the word of God and being invited into the exchange that God has with us as well. Like he has written this, but he wants to activate things in our lives that do require us to lean in and to step in. And I just think of, you know, we've often talked about the table, like where there's room at the table, God has a place for each of us at the table. And imagine coming to a table and there's an amazing buffet in front of you that you can totally choose from, but then you choose to get on your hands and knees and eat just crumbs. You just choose that. Like this is kind of what we're saying this year. Like we don't, we can choose to kind of settle for what we can find or what we know instead of saying God has laid out this bounty, this bounty from his word. But if we don't actually pick up and eat from it and we settle for maybe the crumbs that life has brought us, the crumbs of our sin, the crumbs of just feeling like we're not worthy, whatever it may be that takes us away from eating from the bounty of the word of God and what the word of God promises. So what we're talking about here, yeah, we're not experts, but the word of God is what we're focused on here. And we're applying real life experiences, but the word of God is bounty. This is abundance. This is provision. It's lavished provision. 
So when you think of that table, and I think it's so true, how many times I read my word, but do I activate what I'm reading? Do I actually put into practice this? Like, do I dig into the bounty of what's right in front of me? Or do I just settle look at it? it? Do I just look at it? Just look at it. Or get in my hands and you say, like, oh, this is what I'm worth. Or this is all that's, that's not really for me. I, it's like, I, I, I know we've talked about this, but the kingdom now, this is the kingdom now. So good. This is the kingdom now. And so the word of God is meant for you. And we're trying to say, let's get our, ta- let's get our fork and our knives. Let's dig into the word of God and activate it and experience the bounty of the word, the bounty of the fullness of what God has in this season. Because boy, the enemy wants to make us pull away from that table and settle for the crumbs that will not nourish, will not satisfy, will not sustain. But God has come to give us life, an abundant life. Like, I love that word, abundant. I feel like that word has been rolling around, abundance. Like, God is not just a God of good. God is a God of abundant goodness, abundance of goodness. Everything is abundant. It's lavished. And I think we almost don't even know how to how to enter into that. And I think this is a journey for us too, for myself. Yeah. I feel like the Lord is wanting to show me that the abundance of his love, the abundance of his goodness, the abundance of his provision in things that we may not see, but we experience supernaturally internally, you know, so that's my little moment here, but I just feel like this is part of the invitation yeah. for you to dig in. It's such a good visual. You know, I, I just imagine us all sitting at the table, but imagine us all sitting at the table in front of this great bounty and just some are just staring at the food. Yeah. Even staring at it and saying, wow, it looks so good. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, look at how it was prepared, you know, but can you imagine if someone got on the floor and just started eating some of the crumbs that were on the floor, but it was all prepared for you and you just sat and looked at it and you never, ever partaked. So I think that's, I love that as a visual, as we dive into this, because this is exactly what we want to do. We don't just want to look at it. We don't just want to see it with our eyes. We want to actually receive it into our spirit. We want to ingest it. We want it to become a part of our being. We want it to be everything Mm -hmm. that we are. We want to eat of the goodness of what God has for us. And, And so I want to start today with focusing on just two words. The first two words of that verse, love God. The the first part of this command, love God. And I, I want us just to anchor into the love of God because honestly, and I know Rhonda, you feel this way too. The love of God is everything. It's everything. Like it's everything. And I feel like if we cannot anchor our identity into this truth, all the other things we're going to talk about, <laughs> they they won't hit. They won't matter. They won't settle. If we cannot reconcile God as love and the command that God has for us to love him. Mm -hmm. And so I want to focus today and I want to focus our conversation on the love of God, Mm -hmm. on God as love, on his nature of love towards us. Because again, if we don't get that revelation, the scriptures literally say we love because he first loved us. We can't even love God unless we have a revelation of how much Mm. he loves us first. And so I would love to just dive in with you and talk a little bit about how in your life have you come to a revelation of understanding the love of God. And again, in saying that, I know this is a 
continually unfolding revelation. It's not like today I sit, I sit with a measure of revelation, yes, more than what I had hopefully yesterday and 10 years ago and 20 years ago, but less than I'll have in a year from now and less than I'll have in 10 years from now. So from where you are today, and as you kind of look back and reflect, how has this journey and this revelation of the love of God come to you? How have you understood it? How has it changed you? Just share a little bit about this unfolding revelation in your life. I love that word unfolding because it really is an unfolding revelation. And when I look back, I definitely, it's been a journey because, you know, I grew, we've talked about, you know, how we've grown up and I grew up in a very, very God-fearing home that loved God. But I, young, began to strive for the love of God and never really, I don't think, understood the, just even that revelation that I just had to receive it. I felt that if somehow I would lose it, it was this weird game that I played in my mind and my spirit. If we go back to the analogy about the table, it was almost like you were preparing the food, wanting to help prepare the food. That's exactly So that it. you could deserve That's exactly to like receive. receiving it. It was like I struggled with just feeling worthy. Wow. Like I was worthy to receive it. If I never did another thing in my life, the cross paid the price. Like honestly, it wasn't about my acts and my works. Yes, those are important. I'm not diminishing that, but that that's not the basis of love's God's God loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Like God loved us and chose us before we even knew him. So this was a choice of God. This had nothing to do with me. My choice was receiving it. I, he chose to love me, which is so amazing. And I think I, I struggled a lot. I, I don't think, I know, I struggled a lot with that in my early years, in my 20s. And I mean, I was raised in the church. I gave my life to the Lord when I was five in Sunday school and served God, loved being in worship, loved serving. I loved my devotional time, but there was this part of the back of my mind, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, God will withhold his love from me, or maybe I'm not really saved, or maybe my faith will not be strong enough. You know, I have, this is the, this is what, how God revealed it. It's individual for everyone. But I remember when I gave birth to my first daughter and I was holding her in my arms and I just began like that. I remember that first week, <laughs> Jay thought I had real postpartum because I cried nonstop, which I probably did too. But I was so overcome with this awareness of how much I loved her. Like I just loved her and it was almost like God used that moment to say, that's a, a sliver, like a drop in the ocean for my love for you. You being a human can love this little human who's done nothing. Actually, she was born and demanded everything from me. But this love, I had never experienced this sacrificial love, which is different than a spouse love, this sacrificial love that came from my heart. Like this was it. The moment I held her, she was mine. Like it was mind meeting she gods but i felt that responsibility and the love of god there was a fresh wave of revelation and i i wept for that first week and i remember just saying god i can't believe you love me this much and it gave me even a greater appreciation for my mom for just the love and that is for me that was the beginning of a revelation and i just felt like god said this is just you're human this is like a drop in an ocean imagine my love for you so that began this, I have to often think my, take myself back when I start to feel that cycle because you know, it doesn't go away. We often think, you know, we, when the longer we're a Christian, that those things just go away, we defeat it. No, we just recognize it. There's the same bait. There's the same cycles. I recognize when that starts to happen again, I have to take a step back and think, no, 
I am loved because God chose to love me, not because of what I've done. And that would be probably that was 27 when that happened would be the first moment that I really felt there was a breakthrough in the revelation of God's love for me. How about for you, Lori? Wow, that's a really beautiful thing. I think uh, there's a quotable line in what you just said. You don't necessarily defeat it, but you begin to recognize it. Yeah. And I, I love that because it's true. Some of these struggles that you know we have had from the time that we were young, they've been so ingrained into our nature, into even the sinful part of our nature and our flesh. They're really hard to overcome. And sometimes we feel discouraged when we can't, like maybe I'm missing something, maybe I'm doing something wrong, but it isn't necessarily that. It is though to get to the place where we can recognize where these things are and replace that with truth as we yes. see that starting to come up again in our life. That's a beautiful, I, I just wanted to stop on that because I think that's a, that's a beautiful quotable line right there that you shared. Um, yeah, the love of God has been a really interesting journey for me too. And I think, you know, it often starts going back, you know, in your family of origin. So I really encourage you personally, as Rhonda and I are even pondering this and just talking this through, take some time to really think about, you know, what did you learn about love? in your family of origin, because often what you learned about love there, you bring into your relationship with God. You bring these perspectives, these filters into your relationship with God. You view God through these lenses. And I think the hardest thing about having a revelation of the love of God is the fact that your love, my love is imperfect 100% of the time because we have a sin nature. We can never love the way that God loves and so it's really hard for us to even grasp the fullness of this. You know, it was beautiful for you to share the story of how much you love your daughter when your daughter was born. But even if you think about it, your love is flawed. Exactly. Your love has selfishness in it. Your sure. love has, you know, like, and so does mine. Like our love is Limited. not unconditional, mm -hmm. but God's love is perfect. Mm. And the Bible actually says that he's not just loving but he is love, his very nature and character, which means that he's incapable of not being loving towards us. It, it's not even possible for him mm. to not love us. I love that. And not be loving towards us. And so, but for us to grasp what that means is extremely hard because we don't have an earthly, we don't have a physical, tangible representation of it. Now, if you're blessed, maybe there's someone in your life that has really loved you and what you would say unconditionally like you feel like this person has represented sort of a love of God not everybody has that um, but that being said it's still imperfect in contrast to the holiness and the perfection of God's love towards us and the very nature and character of his of his love towards us that is absolutely perfect and unconditional in every single way so Number one, I just want to say it's hard. It's hard for us to even really try to grasp the the, the depth of that love. For me growing up, um, I, I did grow up in a loving home. Um, my parent, I knew my parents loved us. We didn't express love. love we weren't uh, expressive in love with affection and we weren't expressive with love in words. But there were lots of ways that love was shown. Love was shown through care. L love was shown through being provided for love was shown through you know having a stable home love was even showed through discipline like that these are the boundaries but that's love like 
you know, if you come outside the boundaries, there will be consequences. Like in a beautiful way, I, I feel like all of those things were a part of um, a beautiful upbringing. Again, there wasn't an outward display of affection or in words. So as I started to get older and kind of come into my own adult adulting and my own relationships, I realized, oh, I don't really know how to show love and I don't really know how to express love. So not only was this coming out in my earthly relationships, so, you know, that would have shown up in my marriage. Um, it's also coming out in my relationship with God. And that means that I had a hard time to receive God's love too, right? Because I just didn't know how to navigate this type of relationship. And the revelation of God's love started to come honestly through beautiful members of the body of Christ. Oh, I love just that. beginning to show and exemplify how to love. Uh, sometimes through people I didn't even know very well. Sometimes through people I did know very well. All different ways, but it was almost like my eyes were opened to recognize when the love of God was coming to me through another person. It was like God gave me eyes to be able to start to see that. And that began to penetrate whatever walls or whatever sort of protective nature or discomfort I had kind of leaning into this vulnerable space of receiving love, giving love, expressing love, you know, all of those things. And I can remember being in some different services and we had a season of revival services as well, which were really, really like they were so crucial in this revelation coming. Um, I remember through the 90s. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship revival that took place through the 90s was all about the father's heart, like mm -hmm. the father's love for us. Mm -hmm. It was like this, the messaging of this entire, you know, series of revival services that went on for a number of years was all about getting a revelation of the father's heart for you and the father's love for you. And honestly, through that time and through receiving prayer and through just God, again, opening my eyes to be able to receive his love, it just started to happen. Tears started to flow. I mean, I'm, I never cried, like never <laughs> tears never came to my eyes because for some reason, I don't, I don't know. That just wasn't an option, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, growing up in the family that I grew up in. So yeah, so my heart started to soften. I was able to receive the father's love and it came slowly. But the one thing I do want to say, if you are, if you would say that you're having a hard time receiving God's love for you and just having a revelation of how much God truly does love you unconditionally, I, I encourage you to literally lay that down and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation because you actually can't try to get one. <laughs> it is a supernatural so moment mm -hmm. where the Holy Spirit enables you to see God in a new way. So ask him, pray. He is so faithful. Invite that process and he will absolutely do it. But it's not something you're going to do just by striving, by asking yourself the right questions, by journaling enough. All of those things are really good, but you do need to ask the Holy Spirit, give me a revelation of the Father's love, of how much God loves me, of the love of God. Show me, show me through the body of Christ. Show me through messages. Show me through worship songs. Show me through nature. Show me in every way. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to see the love of God come to you in 
such unexpected ways and it will begin to break down whatever barriers are there, barriers of, of protection maybe, protecting the vulnerability of this space because the love of God receiving it, it is a vulnerable thing. It's a vulnerable thing because we're taking some of the walls down, the walls of protection um, to be able to receive that. So that would be a little bit of my journey in understanding the love of God and the nature of the love of God. That is beautiful, Lori. Towards I love, me. I love how you even talked about like asking the Holy Spirit to give a revelation of that because, you know, we can f- not feel the love of God and therefore assume that God doesn't love us because we don't feel the love of God. But I almost equate it to almost like forgiveness, that ch- decision to forgive you don't always feel the forgiveness but it will come as you continually to lean into that declare it intentionally choose it intentionally release that forgiveness you know until that feeling comes in your heart i believe it's similar to the word of god we say god loves me but we don't actually believe it we don't actually believe it because we don't feel it we don't actually feel the love that way and so we have to or we might have had experiences where that love has been completely twisted father figures, authority figures in our life or whatever it may be, fill in the blank, have abused it, have neglected, whatever, like terrible, you know, or just even in your own filter that just even neglect of that emotional part of your heart. So I feel like that's a big part today to say, if you do not have a revelation of God's love for you, you can just ask for it and just keep asking and open your heart and wait and listen, just wait and listen. Because God wants to reveal himself to you. I love in Ephesians. I know we're going to talk a little bit about verses, but I love that in Ephesians 3. This is an anchoring scripture for me. I always go to chapter 3. I love this portion of the of, um, of Ephesians. And it says in chapter 3, verse 18, I'm going to skip along, but it says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So us saying like the love of God is a foundation of everything. And so this is saying, and may you have the power to understand what is that power to understand? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. You talking about that. That is something we can't manufacture. It is surrendering and saying, Holy Spirit, I need your power to break through and to give me an experience of God's love. It's not just something we know in our mind. It will, it is meant to be something we experience, but because you have an experience or because you don't feel it, that does not mean that God does not love you. God wants you to experience his love. So today I want exactly as Laura, you've said, may you ask the Holy Spirit to say, show me God's love, but help me experience the love of God, because it goes on to say, once we have that, that continual experience, this is not just a one and done. This is a constant experience, a constant fresh revelation. Like we've used a few examples, but my, I could look back at milestone experiences that brought a fresh revelation, a new depth. Like when it talks about that, the height, the depth, the width, the, like all of it, that's what those revelations do. It literally bre- brings like more space, more room into that revelation. It's inexhaustible. It keeps going and going. But may today you ask for a fresh experiential touch of God's love. And that should be our prayer every day. Because if we move from love, that's above all. That's the place, but it has to be first from him, from his love. And that is the fullness of life and power. I love that. 
so good. John 3.16. I mean, it is, you know, the scripture that encapsulates all of the gospel. For God so loved the world. That was you and that was me. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I mean, this is the base. This is the foundational base for the very gift of salvation that we've been given. But this is where the love of God is rooted in for us. It isn't just... It isn't just so that we can be happy and so that we can have and all of, you know, we can have the abundance of God and we can have joy and we can have peace. And all of those things come from being loved and belonging to God. But God literally sent his son to invite us into relationship with him, but also a place for all of eternity that we'll get to dwell together. It's this the culmination of what he designed in the very beginning, in the first two chapters of Genesis, what he imagined, what he prepared for us. This is the culmination, his love for us in that moment, culminating all the way to the very end, an invitation into that. But I do love too that we're on this part of the journey. Like, yes, we're excited for what's going to come, but there is this kingdom now revelation for us of the love of God that anchors us to something that is not circumstantial. So when the world is going crazy, which it is, it is just (laughs) unbelievable what is happening in the world. Never would we have imagined that the world would look like this or that we'd be navigating what we're navigating or that the news would be what it is. Um, And yet we are loved by God and we belong to God. And because of that, we can have the fullness of life and abundance, that banqueting table that you're talking about in the here and now Mm -hmm. as we walk this out, because it's not conditional and it's not circumstantial. And it's actually not even dependent on if we follow God perfectly according to his word. It's not conditional. So even when we fail, his love doesn't change for us. Even when we fall down and even when we get it wrong and we mess it up, his love doesn't change for us. It's not like human love at all. It's so much more superior and it anchors us to something that goes far beyond the circumstance and the shifting, changing insecurity of the time and the day. And this is why it is so important for this love to get into our identity. It's got to be in the very core of who we become. Mm -hmm. So it's the very nature of God, but it's got to get into our identity so that we can live out from this place and everything else that we do. We can know that we know that we know that we know that we're loved by God. First John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the father has given to us Mm -hmm. that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. That is our identity. That's who we are. And if we can grab hold of that revelation of that. And so what this means is that very much like you were born into a family, Rhonda, you started the story with, you know, your daughter being born into your family. She carries your family name. She didn't do anything for that. She just was born. She came through your body. She was born and she holds your name and she's a part of your family for now and always until she goes on to be with the Lord in all of eternity. This is her inheritance. This is her family name in exactly the same way. Exactly. The, actually, no, in an even in an even more stronger covenant 
we, because of Jesus, have been called the children of God. We belong to him. We're part mm-hmm. of the family of God. And so this needs to root itself mm-hmm. inside of our identity so that we have absolutely no insecurity, so that we have absolutely no shifting from where do we belong, where do we go, where do we anchor, where do we stand. No, this is who you are. And so then from this place, everything else can begin to flow. That is so beautiful. That's it. Like this is, it's like really a revelation to know like God's love, but also that God like loves you, but he loves to be with you. Like it's one thing, like, you know, when you've heard that saying, I love them, but I don't like them. Like I can love someone, but I don't have to like being with them. But I, I choose to love because that's important. No, God doesn't choose to love us and not really like us. Like he actually loves us and loves to be with us. Like today, you need to tell yourself that. You have to remind yourself, like when you spend time with God, his heart is burning to spend time with you. You're not troubling him. You're not burdening him. You're not a pain in the butt. You're not someone like, oh, here I am again. Or God loves to be with us. And I love how you talked about Genesis. That's I keep bringing this up because I just love this so much. This is a revelation. So when we talk about an ongoing revelation, this year, I feel like God gave me a fresh revelation of looking at Genesis through the eyes of his heart to be with us, walking in the cool of the day, creating animals with Adam, showing him creation. Like God could have just made everything and just named it and said, here you go. You know, but no, he, he wanted that. He chose, he loved being with Adam. He chose to show up and walk with him every day in the cool of the day. He made all of this for Adam to enjoy and he took great delight. He said, it is good. It is good. It is good. Like his heart was full of delight. Then we see in Revelation, Once again, God dwells with man, like fully dwells, done, over, forever. No serpent, no snake, no sin to ever enter again. You see the heart of God. So today it's like a fresh revelation. Every day I'm like waking up saying, God, you love to be with me. Like you love God. The the king of the universe loves to be with little old me, like loves it. And I think that even in itself is like, God doesn't just love you. He loves to be with you. So I just want to say even that scripture is we're just speaking the scripture because this is truth. This is what we've been talking about. This is the bounty of truth. This is what it says in Romans 8. And I am convinced. And this is verse 30, 38. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, we have the covenantal covering of the blood of Jesus marking us for all of eternity as God's. And not only remarked, we are loved by him and he loves to intimately share life with us. I honestly, at the end of the day, if there's nothing more that we built our life on, that that's what it's about. And calling as many people to that table to experience this bounty. This is the bounty. This is the bounty. Everything flows from. This is a table. I love it. And that is the truth. And so even for those of you who have listened to that scripture being read and it maybe heard it a thousand times when it says nothing can separate you from the love of God, all of those conditions that you have in your head right now going off saying, 
oh, but what about this? But what about this? But you don't know what I did. But you don't know what I said. But you don't know my story. You don't know the family I came from. You don't know what words have been spoken over me. Nothing. Nothing. This is the truth, right? When those things keep firing off that place those conditions on the love of God for your life, that is not from God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, not anything that you've done because the cross was stronger. The cross was greater than all of those things and the cross made a place for you. I love this scripture in 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And I just want to speak that over you again. And I want you to actually maybe say this out loud. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. This is the revelation that we want to walk in. The next words says, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And this is why we need to root our identity to this because we actually can't do anything of eternal value unless we abide in God and God abides in us, unless we abide in the revelation of the love of God. And so we want you to grab hold of this and pick up the fork and eat of it. Don't just look at it. Don't just say, wow, that's so beautiful for them. Oh, because I know I often do this. I can believe this for someone else. I can pray this for somebody else and I can believe it with every fiber, fiber in my being. Like, God loves you so much, but then I don't eat. I don't eat it for myself. And I know some of you have done that. I know some of you have literally sat with a friend and you've said, God loves you so much. Don't you know how much? And literally you're not taking a bite. You're not taking it for yourself. This is the space God wants you to dig in and to eat of this abundance and eat of this gift because this is an anchoring place in your life. And it is so, so beautiful. But listen, even as we talk about it, that we're, we're telling our own spirits. We're reminding our own spirits in this conversation. Like we're not coming down at you saying you aren't doing this right. We're literally reminding our spirits today. No, I can't just say this to someone else. I have to actually eat of this today because everything else I'm going to do today is going to flow from this place right here. Mm-hmm. I really, really encourage you if Again, you're on this journey and you recognize, okay, no, I still, I've got some room to, to I, I've got some room for this revelation to come in deeper in my life. Read First John, read it. It's so beautiful just how it unpacks the beauty of the love of God. And so I, I really encourage you to read that. The one last question I want us to kind of dive into just a little bit as we prepare to close this talk today is... Um, you know, how do we, how do we love God? So we're talking about loving God. We're talking about receiving the love of God to our, into our life. How do we love God when we have a nature inside of us that is inclined towards sin? How do we reconcile these two things together? I mean, we see in Galatians, right? Like our flesh and our spirit are at war with each other. They're, they're not in unison with each other. They're literally fighting each other. We know we're fighting thoughts um, that are constantly coming against this truth. And so how do we reconcile this wrestle inside of our hearts when our nature is sinful? How do we receive the love of God, the perfect love of God? It really is like, even as you're talking about Lori, like there is something so profound when we start to think about like loving God, a holy God, how do we do that? 
And there is a scripture that talks about that. I love this is once again, Ephesians, and it talks about God deciding to adopt us and that through Jesus Christ, we are seen by God through the work of the cross. So how we love God is actually something we cannot do. (laughs) We, We cannot do that. How do we as sinful and broken love a perfect God, a holy God through Jesus, through Jesus. There's no religious work that you could do enough to love God enough. Like, think about that. Like, how do we love God who is God? Like, what do we bring? Like, what kind of offering do I bring? Like, honestly, when you think about that, the mighty king, what am I bringing? Like this little broken vessel. What, how can we love God? But listen to these words in Ephesians 1. This is giving us the blueprint right here. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Like almost just need to stop there. Like When we approach God, when we've ex- experienced Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees us through the beauty of the work of the cross with no fault. It's been a finished work. Now, we're not talking today about sanctification and repentance and confession. That's about walking to become more like Jesus and more like him so we can be more intimate. We're talking today about being part of God's family. This is how it's done. Like, we put those two together. Like, I have to do all these things to be a part of God's family. No, you're part of God's family. You do all these things to stay close to God's heart. But that does not, that does not make you more part of God's family. This just helps you to be fully embraced, like to feel the heart of God and be closer, to walk closer and more fruitful. But isn't that profound that we are chosen? So then it goes on to say this, God decided. So I love this. This is all about God. So let's just take ourselves out of the equation. We can't love God. We can't do all these things on our own. This was all God. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And I love this next line. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Does that not today just put the biggest hug around your heart? Like if you ever questioned if God's loved you and how you can love God, and if he even wants you to be close to him, right here it tells you he chose you, he adopted you, he looks at you through a bloodstained cross, an empty tomb, and a poured out Holy Spirit without fault in his eyes, you are his. And he wanted to do this. And it gave him great joy to have you close to him. That's what he wanted. That to me is how can a sinful person love God? We can love God because of Jesus Christ. That's the only way through, through the cross, through the work of the cross, through the work. And that's why we repent. It's like, because we acknowledge that The only way we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy is because of Jesus. He's the gate. He's the gate. So every day we could say, I come through because of Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin. I lay it all aside. Thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. And God removes all of our sin. We come fully in. But this is how it works. That's how simple it is. How we complicate. How we complicate. Wow. Pro. 
profound. Profound. That's so beautiful. I love that scripture. I love that description. I had this visual. And honestly, I, I just encourage you, if, you, if you're at work, maybe do this later. But <laughs> if you're at home or, or in private, you can maybe do this. I mean, you can do it at work if you want to. You can, wh- wh- whatever, if you're feeling it. But I just had this visual that I actually think would be really profound to do. That, you know, if you, if you, if you're standing, if you're sitting, but if you just put your arms out to the side, straight out, and I want you just to imagine the cross right in front of you, like it's, it's the same shape, your body, you know, and your arms out to the side and just imagine the cross and just imagine God himself looking down from heaven and looking through the filter of the cross and seeing it's beautiful, like the beauty of his son, the love that he has for his son, but seeing you through that filter, through that lens, he's because because of Jesus, he's inviting you into that same sonship. He's inviting you into that same inheritance. If you imagine the love that God had for his son, imagine yourself literally through that filter as he looks down at you. And, you know, when your arms are open to the side, like you're wide open, when your arms are all the way spread open, you're, you're vulnerable. You're, you're, there's nothing blocking, you know, when we're, when we've got our, 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 you know, our hands in front of our heart and we're kind of folded down, you know, we're in a downward posture of feeling maybe lowly and feeling, you know, it just imagine that contrast between opening up your arms and just looking up to heaven and imagining the actual shape of the cross over top of you and God looking at you. And I just, I want you just to do that. Just do that and, and imagine that. Imagine, I just had that visual as you were describing that beautiful verse in Ephesians that, that literally God's great pleasure was for all of this to take place so that you could be fully and wholly loved by God, not by any merit of your own, but because God is love. He's love completely, unconditionally, and perfect. And I love the scripture that says perfect love casts out all fear. So whatever it is that you're afraid to bring before the throne of God, whatever it is that you're holding back, God's perfect love, not your perfect love. You'll never love perfectly. And that's okay. That's actually okay. Cause Jesus did what we could never, ever, yeah. ever do. Yeah. And God's perfect love casts out all fear. And that means that anything is possible. So those things that you've been thinking about, that you've been dreaming about, that you've been wondering, could this ever be possible? Could I ever, you know, try this or do this or do this for God or take this step? The answer is yes. Yes. In the love of God, absolutely anything is possible. And so that is the exact answer. How can we love God in a sin nature? Through Christ and through Christ alone. And that is our greatest weapon. That is our greatest weapon. You know, I had this revelation when the enemy was speaking words into my ear that was disqualifying me from the love of God. Things like, you're not good enough. You're never going to, you know, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Nobody, you know, these negative self-talk things that come into my mind. And, you know, I had this revelation one day as the enemy was just coming in as the accuser. And I thought, you know what? You're right. But Jesus, but Jesus, I, it's actually okay. Sometimes we we think that these words or these thoughts that disqualify us from the love of God, you know, are the are just that. They're disqualifiers. 
they're not. And the enemy may be right. No, we're not good enough. And that's okay. And I honestly felt it, found it so freeing just to even be able to give into some of those thoughts, but then allow Jesus to be enough. Like, don't just sit there in my own inadequacy. Don't just sit there in my own lack. Obviously, I'm not going to do it perfectly. I, I can accept that. And even as the enemy wants to accuse me in that space, I can accept that. But Jesus, but Jesus did. So I can. He made a way for me. And that, I think, is how we can love God. That is exactly how we can love God, even though we'll never do it good enough through Christ. I love that. So in closing, like, I feel like I've had awakening moments. Like, my heart is awoken. Like, I feel like it's like, oh, the biggest hug, the hug of heaven. Like, this is the hug of heaven. And I'm not trying to be cheesy. It really is. Like, this is that comfort and that peace and that hug that you just, your heart, nothing else can feel that only God can do. So may you feel that. May you know today that your king has gone ahead of you to make a perfect way for you to have access to the very throne of grace, to come right into God's presence because of him. Your king is loving, your king is good, and that king is Jesus, and that's the name above all names. And so may you follow that king today through exactly what Lori had said. Follow the king in the sense of laying down your life and allowing what he did to be the provision for you to fully receive an experience of God's love for you today. And we want to remind you, and probably will, every single podcast, that you are so loved by God. You are so, so passionately loved by God. And you're also liked by him. He just likes you too. (laughs) And he wants to spend time with you. But you're so loved by God. I'm just going to do a tiny review of a couple of the questions that we want you to reflect on um, after this session today on loving God. How do we love God? So a couple of the questions we want you to reflect on are, what was your relationship with love growing up? Just think about your family of origin and what did you learn about love in your family of origin that you maybe have taken into your adult life? Take some time to think about what you believe it means when the Bible describes God as love. And what are some verses that talk about God's love? Look up some Bible verses and begin to anchor yourself to the truth of the Word of God and what the Bible says about God as as love. I also want you to think about what have you allowed to separate you from God's love? What are some of those conditions in your own mind and in your own life that have caused you to believe that they can separate you from the love of God? And remind yourself of Romans 8 that says there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And lastly, and I want you to personally reflect on this, how do you love God when you have a nature that's inclined towards sin? We told you the answer, it's through Christ, but I want you to personally reflect on that. I want you to personally reflect on what gets in the way of you loving God with all of your heart and all of your soul, and all of your mind, and all of your strength. And we look forward to continuing to unpack this in the next few weeks with you. Have an awesome day. This has been so great, and we'll see you next time.